0: Well, good afternoon, people of God. You know, we've already prayed, and so I just want to thank uh, our prayer leader, Miss Lisa Timmons, for that wonderful prayer. But just bring us into the presence of the Lord. And we want to continue that process now by going into our Explore Bible Basics for this week. We continue our study of the Gospel of John, and we're in chapter 2. You know, chapter 2 is a kind of interesting chapter because... This is a chapter where Jesus turns water into wine, and he also cleanses the temple. But before we dive into today's discussion, I just want to encourage you, we posted today our Bible study session from last week, uh, where my dear spouse and co-worker in Christ in this ministry did what I believe is a wonderful session on salvation, and if you would like to know or get a better understanding of salvation, I would encourage you to please go out to Instagram or to our website and review that session. As always, when you're reviewing the Word of God or studying with someone, I encourage you to have a Bible with you so that you can refer to the Scripture for yourselves to confirm that what one is saying is true and from the Word of God. And then lastly, people of God, I want to say, just remember that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. He is our Lord, our Savior, and our God. We're going to treat chapter 2 in two parts. Part 1 will be verses 1 through 12. This is where Jesus turned water into wine. And then part 2 will be where Jesus cleanses the temple. So let's begin our Bible session. And so we're going to begin by reading verses 1 through 12 of chapter 2 of the Gospel of John. Water turned to wine, chapter 2. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the, Jewish, of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made of, that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. uh, When the guests have well drunk then the imperial, you have kept the good wine unto now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. So, as I said in the beginning and in each one of these Bible sessions, Regarding our study of the gospel of John, John is just so packed with details and we want to be sure that when we're done with our study of the different sections the different Bible scriptures, there's no doubt in anyone's minds regarding what it is that John is trying to convey to the readers. So let's take a look at uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. Jesus and his disciples attended a wedding ceremony in Canaan. His mother, Mary, of course, was also there. And so we're told in the scripture that on the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. Jesus had already left Bethany and he was on the other side of the Jordan where John had been baptized. If you recall, John was baptized in the river Jordan. The miracle of water being turned into wine was probably on the third day of the arrival in Canaan. It says on the third day, but we believe that's the third day when Jesus and his disciples had arrived in the area of Canaan. And noticeably now, the scripture tells us that Jesus' mother attended, as did his disciples. And we know from chapter 1 that by this time, Jesus had already called James, John, Peter, Andrew, and Nathaniel. Now the presence of Jesus and his disciples being at this feast is interesting. Why in the world would God in his divine providence and omniscience tell us that his son Jesus went to a wedding feast and at this wedding feast his son Jesus performed the first miracle of his ministry. Jesus was not a recluse, he was a social person. And contrary to some belief, particularly when I was growing up and the faith that I grew up in, if you did anything like this, why, you were just a healer on your way to hell. But I think sometimes we take things out of perspective, you see, because Jesus' ministry throughout, he makes it very clear that he did not come to those who were already healed. He came to those who needed healing. He came to those who were unsaved. He came to those who were unchurched. He went into the street. And that's where his ministry was. His ministry was not inside the church wall. It was not to the Sadducees nor the Pharisees, but to the common everyday people who needed to hear God's word and to hear it from his son. So as I was saying, Jesus' first miracle is about turning that water into wine. And for some reason, for psalm and different denominations, this is a point of contention. We're going to get into this discussion in detail regarding whether or not this water that was turned into wine was fermented drink, the wine that leads to drunkenness if you drink too much of it, or was it just the world's best grape juice? We'll get into that. Jesus being at this wedding also demonstrates that Jesus approved social gatherings And he approved the institution of marriage. Because you see, marriage is the first institution given unto men by God. Hebrews 13.4 makes it very clear that marriage is honorable. God created man, as we're told in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 23. God created woman for man so that man would not be alone. He said it's not good for man to be alone. And then later on he said the two will be joined together as one flesh, and what God has put together let no one asunder. And that for this reason a woman would leave her family and cling to her husband. So we know that Jesus honored marriage. This account also shows that Jesus was not opposed to having a good time. In today's language, we might call that a party. Hmm. Now it's not the kind of party where where there's perverseness and other things, but God's people are getting together for wholesome reasons, I think scripture clearly tells us was a supper because otherwise Jesus would not have been at this wedding, which was a celebration. It was a feast, it was merrymaking. And then we're told that Jesus provided the refreshments, the wine for this occasion. Mm-hmm. Now, notice in verse 3 through 5. When they ran out of wine, Jesus' mother, Mary, asked her son to provide them more. Now, why in the world would Mary ask Jesus to provide more wine? Yes. At this time, Jesus has not performed any miracles. Mm-hmm. See, I believe that was through divine providence, God already knew in his foreknowledge what he wanted to happen how he wanted to bring Jesus on the stage. But interestingly about this miracle, this miracle was not one, it was not one that was done for the masses, even though the masses enjoyed it. There were a lot of people at this wedding. Let me give you an idea. But I was fortunate while I was in Afghanistan to be among the few Westerners to attend Afghan wedding parties and receptions. And uh, what is interesting is the, the, the groom has to save a lot of money. He and his family to pay for everything. It is not uncommon that if I invite 100 people, there's going to be 200. Because when I invite you, you invite other people. As in Afghanistan, almost every wedding, even among the poor people, they will save the money for a number of years if they have to. So they can have this huge wedding feast. And all these people come to the wedding. And as the scripture says... It is embarrassing not good for you to run out of food or to run out of drink. In this case, the drink was wine. So, as we're told, at some point they ran out. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, turned to her son and says, provide more. Do something. Jesus says to his mother, what do I have to do with this? My hour has not yet come. It is not my time to do anything. <laughs> but, you know, Mary just didn't care about that. She just went ahead and told the servants, Do whatever he tells you to do. Jesus apparently when he said this. Knew that it was not his will. But the will of his father. Not my will. But thy will. But the fact that Jesus did do the miracle. Illustrates that through our prayers. God does change his mind. So let me divert for just a moment and say a few things about prayer, even though this is not a topic, it is important that we understand that Jesus himself prayed, and he undoubtedly may have said, Father, what would you help me to do in this moment? But whatever the moment, scripture clearly tells us that we should pray. You see, prayer is the simple way of communicating and talking to God. Jesus tells us, don't be like these other people who likes to stand in the street and babble, just babbling words to be heard, doing it in public to be seen by other people, but he tells us to go into our private room, into the closet, and close the door. And whatever we ask of the Father, he hears us in our private moments with him. And then the question becomes: Well, how often should we pray, and when should we pray? Jeremiah 29, 12 says that then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you.
1: Then, the then is whenever,
0: whenever you go and pray to God the Father, he will hear and listen to you. You know this one, this is a very famous one that many folks uh, can quote almost. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wickedness. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And then I like this one from James verse 5 and 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Whatever the trouble is, whatever the situation is, pray. And this is my favorite one regarding prayer, Ephesians 6:18, and some of you know it as well. And pray in the spirit on all occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Oftentimes, when I am doing my devotion morning and evening, I say, "Lord, you know." Sometimes I think you must be tired of me coming to you. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we keep on praying for the same thing, but that's okay because He says to continue to pray with all kinds of prayers and supplications in all seasons. And then lastly, what I'll say about this is you remember when Jesus told the people about prayer and he used the, the example of the man who gets up and goes to his neighbor's house and he starts knocking on the door and the fellow's in bed, right? He don't want to get up. But the fellow who's in need, he keep on knocking. And Jesus says he keep on knocking and keep on knocking until his neighbor gets up out of the bed to come see what it is that he wants. So the Lord said would are to be the same way. Keep on knocking, keep on praying, keep on seeking And then remember that when God delays sometimes, that does not mean that God is denying. Sometimes he may be teaching us to be patient. So verses 6 through 7 says that there were six water pots containing 20 to 30 gallons each. And Jesus simply commanded that the servants fill the water pots. You know, they fill those water pots, according to Scripture, to bring. brim. It's about 20 to 30 gallons each, so that tells us that they're between 120 and 180 gallons of water. Why do we have all these details? It's important that we have these details, but why do we have all of these details? The purpose of these details is to emphasize what was important in John telling us this miracle. John John is showing the greatness of the miracle in order to give evidence to the claims that he makes about Jesus you say because he you see he started out by saying in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God then he goes on to say that nothing that was made was made without Jesus Jesus the son of God the word came to us in flesh John continually give details to show the importance of Of who Jesus is. And trying to prove to us. And demonstrate for us. Who Jesus is. And so the scripture says that. The containers. The pots. Were filled to the brim. This is more than a sufficient amount of water. To prove the miracle. We're talking about six pots. And then. In verses eight through ten. The servants. They take this. This water turned into wine to the master of the ceremony. You see, at the time it was the job of the master of the feast of the ceremony to taste the quality of the food and particularly of the wine. And here's what's interesting: he says, he called the groom and says, You know what? Most people serve the good wine at the beginning of the feast. And then the scripture says. And when people are well drunk we're going to talk about what that well drunk means. Because mm-hmm. there's implications of what does that well drunk mean? You know, Does that well drunk mean that they have drunk in their food or the beverage? Or does it mean that they are well drunk and that they're now becoming intoxicated? We're going to touch on that in just a moment. However, in this case, the master of the ceremony says, you have waited until the end of the feast when people have well drunk and brought out the best wine. Now what's interesting is the the master of the feast nor the groom or anyone else besides Mary, Jesus, the disciples that were there with him and the servants knew what had happened. A handful of people knew what had happened. This was not a miracle for the masses. This was not the miracle where Jesus walks on the water. This is not the miracle where he feeds the the three or four thousand or five thousand. This is not the miracle where he raised people from the dead. This is, the, this is not the miracle of the healings. This is his first miracle. And in some sense, it's a private miracle. But it's the first miracle that Jesus performs and it confirms with Jesus that he has his awesome power. Now, what is this awesome power? You know, healing is one thing. Raising dead is another. Yes, those are wonderful miracles. They're good miracles. They may be even a great miracle. But to turn a substance, to turn this water a substance of nature, to change its entire nature through a process that is a making wine, you got to grow the grapes. <laughs> you got to grow the grapes over several months. You got to pick the grapes. Then you have to press the grapes. And then it's going to be the fermenting. It's got to be fermented for a while. Jesus, then the miracle that he performed instantaneously changes a substance of nature into something that it was not. That's the miracle that John wants to ensure that we take out of this discussion. This miracle of changing the water into wine, brothers and sisters, it demonstrates Jesus' glory. And this miracle, the scripture says, his disciples to begin to believe on him. Note that John records several other miracles, often including miracles that are not mentioned in the other gospels, the other three gospels. But John is very careful here, because this one is not, to give us all the details of this miracle and to help us understand that the cause of this miracle, those first disciples that he had called begin to believe on Jesus Christ. Jesus. Under this time. Needed to. Substantiate or demonstrate to his disciples. Or God. Demonstrates to the disciples. That Jesus called. That this is my son. In whom I am well pleased. And I will use him to do great things. To demonstrate and prove to the world. So that mankind in reading these accounts. We, we were not there. But we have these accounts may know that he was my son. It also gives unbelievers, that's us, the same reasons to believe. So we're going to go quickly to Mark 16 through 19. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 19. Verse 19 and 20. So then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God and they went up and preached everywhere and Lord preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs amen okay so because of the miracles as as Mark in this gospel because of the things that Jesus had been doing the disciples believed on Jesus And because they believed on Jesus, they were able to go out in faith and also do signs that accompany their preaching to the people as Jesus had commanded them to do. And then I want to read one more and this is going to be over in Acts chapter 2. So Acts come after the book of John. You've got the four gospels and then you have uh, the book of Acts. And we're going to read uh, if you're Watching this video, then you're really going to be reading verses 22 through verses um, 42. But we're not going to read all those verses. And then we're going to read verse 22 and 42. So we're going to the book of uh, Acts chapter 2, reading verse 22. Man of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God, by your, by, by God. To you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst as yourself. Also known. Okay, hold there. That's verse 22. Now, let's put this in context. This is after the Holy Spirit has come. And the Holy Spirit has set upon each of the disciples and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. And then all the people of Jerusalem began to say, Who are these people? These people are already drunk. And then Peter stood up and began to speak to the people. Okay, so beginning there, verse 22. Peter tells them, no, this man, Jesus, performed all of these miraculous signs. And they all were witnessed. They knew that Jesus had done these things because many of these people were there. They saw the things that Jesus did. And then Peter goes on to exhort them about a number of things. But I want to come down to verse number, I'm sorry, read 40 through 41, 40 through 41. And with many other words, he testified and exhaled them, saying, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Again, why were these people so cut to the heart that 3,000 people decided to accept Jesus Christ? To be safe, they accepted the Lord Jesus. Two reasons in my opinion. Brothers and sisters, thank you very much for watching this video. If this ministry is a blessing to you, we encourage you to go to our homepage, www.goyeharvestoutreach.com, and make a donation. Know that God loves you, and so do we. Peace and blessing in abundance.